to 1 Samuel chapter 25. I'm not going to read the whole chapter right now, but I'm going to refer to it all through the message of 1 Samuel chapter 25. Um, this morning, I guess this message could be more topical, uh, but at the same time, we're continuing our study on David. As we've been looking at David's life, we've been looking at his life prior to him becoming king. We know in our stories and what we've read the last few weeks that King Saul, the anger burned against David. David was tired of being hunted. And last week, as we looked at the scripture, we saw that God, in his unique way, brought them together. It wasn't a way that neither one had planned, but God put them together. And when God put them together, certain events took place. And David had a change of heart, because in David's heart at that moment, his heart was telling him, kill Saul, because Saul was trying to kill him. But we found last week that when David had that opportunity, he realized what God had been trying to tell him, that even though Saul was wicked, Saul at that moment still was the appointed king, and that he should show him respect. And so David showed Saul that respect, and in doing so, Saul's heart was changed. Now, you would think at this moment that David would say, man, doing it God's way is much better. But as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 25, we find another incident, another situation that David finds himself in. And this time, he's dealing with anger. Now, Anger is something that every one of us has to deal with. We could say that some of us handle anger better than others. Uh, and sometimes it depends on the situation. But you know, if you ever d have done a study or if you have a family member that has an anger issue, you know what I'm talking about and what it brings into the mix, what it brings into the situation. We find that anger is one of the most, the, the word just left me, but debilitating, debilitating, um, uh, it, it, it just, it can paralyze us, it can bring these unpredictable thoughts, um, and it can be on us before we know it. For some people, anger is just an irritation. For others, anger is a blurting out of a statement uh, and later wish they could take back. Uh, for others, anger is hostile action. And, and, and sometimes as we look at this, one of the things about anger uh, that, that we see in our world today, when anger becomes public, you're no longer hiding that anger and it becomes public and people see it and they remember it. And it's out there. It's kind of like someone who blows up in anger in public. You never forget that. It's always in the back of your mind. But also, I hear people, and I agree with this statement, anger is a choice. Anger, of course, should be self-controlled. One man described anger this way. He said, it is a learned reaction to frustration in which you behave in ways that you would rather not. In fact, 
Severe anger is a form of insanity. You are insane whenever you are not in control of your behavior. Therefore, when you are angry and out of control, you are temporarily insane. Now, I don't know if you would agree with that, but I've seen people that get so angry that I almost would think that they, for that moment, are insane. They cannot think clearly at all. Now, here comes our story today. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, and we're going to look at it here in just a second, we find that David had just come from this experience realizing who the true king was, realizing given respect, realizing all these things, and saw in return his heart was changed. But we find in this story, David becomes the man that gets so enraged with anger, you could say at that moment he was insane. Now you say, how can that be? He just had an experience with God, and God showed him who's in control and what needs to be done, and then here we are. He loses his mind. He becomes so angry. You see, sometimes we're the same way. We have wonderful experiences with God. Things seem to be so great, and then you turn the page, and we're ready to chew up our neighbor. And we're ready to chew them out, spit them out, and feel justified in doing it. How can that be? How can that be? Now, I want you to look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 25. I'm going to start with verse 2 in 1 Samuel chapter 25. It says, a man in Moan had a business in Carmel. He was a very rich man with 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The man's name was Nabal, his wife's name Abigail. The woman was intelligent and beautiful, but the man, a Calebite, was harsh and evil in his dealings. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So David sent ten young men instructing them, go up to Cabal, and when you I mean, Carmel, I'm sorry. When you go up to Carmel and when you come to Nabal, greet him in my name. Then say this, long life to you and peace to you and peace to your family and peace to all that is yours. I heard that you are shearing. And when your sheep were with us, we did not harass them. And nothing of theirs was missing the whole time that they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. So let my young men find favor with you, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have on hand to the servant and to your son, David. Now let's stop there. What is happening is this. Remember I told you that David had about four to 600 men that were with him? All right. At this time, the situation between him and Saul seemed to be okay. But David continued with his men and basically were soldiers that worked in different areas and at this time were working in Carmel. And as they were working in that area, they knew of this man and they, Nabal, and they knew of his shepherds and they deliberately protected them. They looked out for them because in those days, there were robbers, there were thieves, there were these groups that come and raid the sheep, raid the, the shepherds. And, 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 and so David and his men gave protection 
to Nabal and his shepherds. And it was customary in those days that when the time of shearing, the time of cutting the wool, that a token, that a gift would be given to those who helped out. And so we find that David had instructed his men. David didn't go himself. He didn't want Nabal to feel intimidated. And he sent his men. And as we just read, you know, he, he was saying, peace to you and peace this. and peace, You know, in a very non-threatening way. And then look at verse 9. David's young men went and said all these things to Nabal on David's behalf. And they waited. And Nabal asked him, who's David? Who is Jesse's son? Many slaves these days are running away from their masters. Am I supposed to take my bread and water and my meat that I butchered from my shears and give them to these men? I don't know where they are from. Nabal. You take his name and look it up in Hebrew, and his name means fool. Okay, fool. Now, fool, not in the sense of not smart, a fool that he did not believe in God. He did not believe in God. He was a very rich man. He was a very arrogant man. He was a very mean, ruthless, one that you did not want to deal with. He knew the custom of giving those that help protect the flock a portion. He knew the custom, and now he's acting dumb. Who's David? Who's Jesse? You know, and, 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 and basically saying, I'm not paying you a thing. And so we find that in verse 12, David's young men retraced their steps. And when they returned to him, they reported all this, all these words. And he said to the men, now this is David speaking. Verse 13, he said to his men, all of you put on your swords. And each man put on his sword. And David also put on his sword. About 400 men followed David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. What has happened now is that when the word came back to David, David became angry. He became so angry that he told his men, 400 of them, put your swords on, we're going, and we're going to kill people. David's thought was that he was going to kill Nepal, Nepal and all of his sons. He was angry. Now, have you ever had something strike you the wrong way? This could be a situation where this hit David at a wrong time. Maybe David was already had the barbecue pit going and, you know, he had the onions simmering and he was waiting for some lamb chops to come. And, you know, the news came that they're not coming. And he said, boys, grab your sword. We're going to go get some. I mean, he could just been like that. But we find that he became so angry, he told, he told his men, Put on your swords. And, 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 and here was over 400 men getting ready to do battle with one guy and his sons. You might say overkill. It's like trying to take a shotgun and kill a cockroach. Even though the cockroach is going to win. But you think about that. David became so angry that he lost his thoughts. He became so angry that all he could think of, and if he was not stopped, David would have committed murder. Now think about that. In his young life, he was not king yet. In his young life, how would that have affected 
him as king. It would always came back. David, remember when you were young? You killed this man because you were angry. I remember years and years ago, um, uh, when I was a small child, uh, our church had kindergarten there at the church because at that time, kindergarten wasn't even offered in public schools. That's how long ago that was. Uh, and my kindergarten teacher was Miss Weitzel. And when I would come back from time to time to visit, I was known, people would say, oh yeah, you're the one that kicked Miss Weitzel. I don't even remember the incident. But that's what I was labeled as, the one who kicked his kindergarten teacher. Now, if David wasn't careful, this is what's going to happen to him. He was going to be the one who killed Nabal. I know you say, well, Nabal probably deserved it. He probably did. But was that David's responsibility? No. What did we say last week? Revengeance is what? The Lord. God. And so David was getting ready because of his anger and almost becoming insane and so filled with all of that that he was getting ready to make a big mistake. And let me tell you, when someone is filled with that much anger, and you've got 400 men riding with you. What would it take to stop him? Well, there was a wife named Abigail. Now, Abigail was beautiful. Abigail was smart. Some would say, why in the world was Abigail with Nabal? He was a fool. He, he was arrogant. But you know, some of you know what I'm... Sometimes our wives know better. I know you don't want to admit that, maybe, but because the word came, well, look at verse 14. One of Nabal's young men informed Abigail, Nabal's wife, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he, he screamed at them. The men treated us very well, and when we were in the field, we wasn't harassed, and nothing of ours was missed. The whole time we were living among them, there... The, there were a wall there. They were a wall around us both day and night. The entire time we were with them herding the sheep. Now consider carefully what you should do because there is certain to be trouble for our master and the entire family. He is such a worthless fool. Nobody can talk to him. Now that's one of the servants of Nabal. A worthless fool. And who did he tell that to? His wife. So what did she do there in verse 18? Abigail heard. Now, I'd like to know how she did this. Abigail hurry, taking 200 loaves of bread. They didn't have all those modern ovens, you know. 200 loaves of bread, two clay's jars of wine, five butchered sheep, a bushel of roast grain, 100 clusters of raisin, raisins and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. In other words, Abigail knew what to do. She knew that these men had protected her husband's flock, and she knew what was right. But she also knew that giving these things would not take care of it just to themselves. And so she told them to load these donkeys, and then she got on her animal, and she rode out to meet David. 
And here comes David. David and his 400 men. They were racing towards each other, and Abigail was there, and Abigail talked to David. Can you imagine David, his adrenaline, his, his, his insanity in the sense that all he was thinking about was killing Nabal and his sons and all these things. Look at verse 22, or 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off the donkey and knelt down. And notice what she did. She knelt down with her face to the ground and paid homage to David. She knelt at his feet and said, The guilt is mine, my Lord, but please let your servant speak to you directly. Listen to the words of your servant. My Lord should pay no attention to this worthless fool in the ball, for he lives up to his name. His name means, I said fool in my translation, it has stupid, and stupidity is all he knows. I, your servant, didn't see my Lord's young men whom you sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, it is the Lord who keeps you from participating in bloodshed and avenging yourself by your own hand. May your enemies and those who attend to harm my Lord be like Nabal. Let this gift of your servant has brought to the Lord be given to your young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord is certain to make a lasting dynasty for my Lord, because he fights the Lord's battles. And so she goes on with this. And when she got done, David heeded. In other words, David heard her words and realized the big mistake he was getting ready to make. If it wasn't for Abigail, going before David, David would have committed murder. Some people would say, well, she should have not said a word and let David kill her husband and she'd have been better off. But you know, sometimes humanly we think like that and we need to be careful. We need to allow God, and God was using Abigail at that moment to bring David back into reality and make David think for a moment, you don't want to do this. You know, sometimes when we're filled with anger, we, we, we don't want anybody to talk to us. We, we, we don't want to listen. We, we, we just are committed to, to go about doing what we want to do, and we need to be careful of that. Because many times those things that we want to do are not good for us. It'll be things that affect us later in life. It'll be things that will come across in, in a way that will cripple us. But we find that Abigail, she had tact. In other words, she, she knew how to handle herself. She, she had her faith and she also had a loyalty. Because she was thinking beyond her husband. She was thinking of all the people there. And you know, sometimes when we are so filled with anger, we are focusing in on one thing and we're not seeing the bigger picture of what God wants us to see. And so we find that she brought all of this stuff to them and now David's men were rejoicing. You see, when we are faced with critical decisions, sometimes we have to do something very creative. And Nabal's life hung in the balance. And, and, and depending, we could say that David had a very short fuse. Because we've seen this happen before and we'll see it happen again. Some of us, depending on what it is, have a very short fuse. 
And we can allow that anger to, uh, that anger to drive us in a certain, and, and we feel fully justified. But is that what God wants us to do? Does he want us to do that? Or is he going to take care of that matter? And so we find that Abigail stood up. There's a song I think I mentioned. I think it was on that list of 10 songs I mentioned Wednesday night. And um, uh, Great Are You, Lord? Was that one of them? Great Are You, Lord? And Tara and I were talking about that song. Uh, this week, and uh, it's a great song. It's slow. You're exactly right. It is very slow. But some of the words of that song said, it's your breath in our lungs. In other words, God has breathed into mankind, and we need to be careful today how we speak, how we lash out, and we find that, that you know, we need to be careful because our Lord is great. And so what happened? David and his men went back to their place. They enjoyed um, uh, the, the riches that they received. And at that moment, everybody's happy. Now, that doesn't happen very often, does it? But what happened? Abigail went back to tell her husband what she did. And when she found the ball, he was drunk. They had been partying. And she knew that there was no reason to talk to him at that moment. And, and, and so she went to bed, and the next morning she told Nabal what she had done, her husband. And at that time, from what we can read in Scripture, he basically had a stroke. And ten days later, he died. Ten days later, he died. Now, what happened to Abigail? Guess who asked David, asked Abigail to be his wife? Now, you say, well, you're trying to make this a fairy tale. No, I'm not trying to make it a fairy tale. I'm just trying to get us to see that God has a plan. And if we follow that plan, we're going to be in the right place. But if we allow our anger, Selfishness, pride, dictate to us. You say, well, I'm going to get it straight. Well, maybe straight according to you, but not straight according to God. You see, when conflicts arise, and they will, brother, when conflicts arise, we need to be wise in the Lord. Now, that's hard. I mean, let's face it. When conflicts, because what? Our human pride kicks in. And many times all we can think of is getting revenge. But we need to be wise. You see, if we're not careful, we'll handle conflicts in the energy of the flesh and not in the spiritual realm. We will handle conflicts in the energy of the flesh if we're not careful. Second, we need to take each conflict as it comes and handle it separately. You see, in our world today, so many different conflicts are coming upon us that many times we just put them all together and try to deal with them together, and, and we shouldn't because they're different. We need to deal with each conflict separately. You see, we might have won a battle yesterday, but that doesn't count when we're dealing with today's skirmish. 
We need to have a great measure of patience. But make no difference tomorrow when, when the attack comes. God doesn't give us patience on credit. Every day is a new day. And we need to look to him. The third thing we could take away from this experience in the life of David is that whenever you realize that there's nothing you can do, wait and wait patiently. You see, impossible impasses call for a firm application of brakes. Don't keep going. Put the brake on and look to God. Remember years later, in Psalms 40, what did David write? In Psalms 40, verses 1 and 2, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry, the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. You see, David had to learn some lessons. And we'll see he had to learn more. Just because he, he was victorious in one, he had to struggle in the second until he had his eyes opened to realize what God wanted. We have a lot of anger in our world today. And a lot of people have justified that anger. But are we looking at these situations just in the flesh? If we're looking at them just in the flesh, then the anger is going to continue. And then remind yourself, what does anger do? Does anger heal things? Does anger correct things? No. It just makes things worse. It separates people. It, it polarizes people. It paralyzes people. Anger is not what we need. I know our flesh is saying, but I'll feel better if I can get this done. No, you won't. Remember David last week? When he took a piece of the garment of Saul, thought, this is going to make me feel good. But it didn't. Guys, the only thing that's going to make us feel good is looking to our almighty God for the direction we need in life. Let's pray. Christian 75, Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that we would look to you. And Lord, sometimes we need to be willing to listen to others. And Lord, you sent Abigail to talk to David. To get him to stand down and not commit murder. Lord, I pray that we, sometimes when we are so filled with anger, we do pray that you would send someone along to stop us. Or that we might recognize it on our own through your grace that our anger is not going to solve. Lord, I pray today that when someone gets angry, we would feed them with love. The substance that could break down all of those feelings. Lord, we thank you in your son's name. Amen.